host, Michelle Prince, founder and CEO of Performance Publishing Group, making a difference one story at a time. We'll be shining the light on successful founders, entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders that are getting results and making a difference. We'll talk about how they built their businesses, are creating movements, and leveraging the power of authority in their own lives. Be sure to stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Let's get started. Welcome back. It's Michelle Prince, the host of the Power of Authority Spotlight. I'm really excited about uh, who we have on the show today. I think we're going to learn a lot uh, about not just his story, but also what he does uh, for a business and also in consulting. Um, But I would love to welcome to the show, Jason Rosenbaum. Hi, hi everybody. Thanks so much for having me, Michelle. Really appreciate it. Happy to be here. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to have you here, you know, because you you have a a corporate background, right? You you, uh, work with we're managing partner and COO of Crowd Favorite, um, and I do want to dive into you know more specifically your journey. But but tell us a little bit more about Crowd Favorite and what you do there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Crowd Favorite was started back in 2007. Uh, it was known at the time as the original WordPress agency for the enterprise. So it did a lot of open source software uh, uh, installations for the enterprise crowd. Um, it has since evolved over the last 15 years of existence. It is now an aggregate of three separate companies that came together in 2014. Um, and I'll tell, I'll tell stories about obstacles later surrounding that kind of integration. Uh, but, um, and currently today, uh, we are still providing web development and digital strategy for the Fortune 1000 um, and really helping folks solve these days what are really system integration uh, challenges that they face, you know, a, a lot of data aggregation and data engagement going on these days, lots of different proprietary systems that companies use. And how do not only their end customers and their end clients get a great experience through their digital solutions, but how do their teams also utilize uh, their digital products as efficiently and optimally as possible? So that's really where we can step in and help. Okay. Yeah. Was, the, the journey, I was looking through the website and then the journey, even as a company, it's, it's evolved so much. Uh, very much, um, very much so. But how fun to be kind of on the, the cutting edge of, of a lot of the things that have been happening with technology, you know, since you started. hundred percent. And, you know, certainly not, not having a technology background per se, uh, before I joined uh, my partner and, and growing crowd favorite, uh, definitely it's been a huge learning curve, but also Nice to bring a little bit of a different perspective um, to it than I think a lot of other folks other folks have. I think it's been great for us. Yeah. Well, and I'm I'm really big on story, and I love yeah. you know the backstory of people. Um, I'm always impressed by what the, what people do and titles and all that. But at the end of the day, I'm, I I want to know more of you know who you are and how you actually got to where you are today. So give us a little bit of the backstory. Yeah. Um, I mean, quick biographical stuff, uh, born and raised in New York City in the New York City area, for the most part, um, went to boarding school and college in Pennsylvania, um, and have sort of split my adult time between California and New York the last 20, oh gosh, 20, 25 years. I'm starting to starting to date myself. That doesn't seem possible, but that's true. Um, you know, originally coming out of school, coming out of school, I had a, a double major in English and business and economics, um, but I wanted to be an actor. That was really what I wanted to do. In fact, even when I was in high school, that was what I really wanted to do. And so um, after two years of debating with my parents whether I should stay in college, uh, we determined I should because (laughs) clearly that was the right, where I'm sitting today, that was the right decision. Um, But I think, you know, coming out of that creative 
field um, and also really concentrating on a life spent in sports. So for me, it was a lot of sports and a lot of theater. Um, those backgrounds really helped me out a lot in transitioning into different aspects of my professional development over the last 20, 25 years. Um, you know, again, starting out as an actor and a bartender, I think, you know, you pick up so many great skills in knowing your audience, customer service, um, knowing what people want before they know what they want, you know, really listening, learning, having an empathetic ear, all those things that um, translate um, into providing a great experience. I think those things have have really helped. Of course, a little work in retail, which I think everybody should work retail and hospitality for at least a year. Because uh, I think there are tremendous lessons that come out of that experience and not all of them positive, but they're still learning lessons. And I think everybody needs to understand, you know, how to deal with the public and, and handle um, sometimes unfair criticism and take it and move on and know that you're providing great value and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah. Um, and uh, I was in New York uh, at, at, during one of my stints here and um as bartenders do, we don't have a day job, so or actors, I suppose. So I was, I happened to be playing softball in Central Park uh, one day. This was in 2007, 2008. Uh, met a guy there who wanted to start a business. And this is at the time, this was pretty aggressive in the cannabis industry, but he wanted to do it very, you know, medical and progressive and all those things. Um, and so we started it together, uh, jumped in there as a chief marketing officer. Um, and that led us to needing a website, uh, in 2000, uh, let's see, 2009, he moved to California. I was still in New York, 2010. I moved to California right behind him. We were, we were literally the cliche of two guys working out of a garage. Wow. Um, and, uh, yeah, in, uh, in mid LA and, uh, we needed a website and that's how I met my current partner was at the time, uh, Kareem was running VeloWare was the name of the company. It was a small you know, small software company at the time. Um, and um, that's how we actually got hooked up. And coming out of those meetings and, and engaging them to build the website, which at the time for VeloWare was the biggest website I think they had built at the time, like $35,000 or something, uh, tiny. Um, we brought, it, we brought uh, the company to market. Um, I think as, as things go, it kind of ran its course. Uh, Kareem had reached out to me and said, look, I have this idea on how to grow and scale this company, but I really don't know how exactly to do it, you know, responsibly. Would you be interested? And we got to talking and I, I think I saw a short, mid and long-term plan to growth. And um, after a couple of pitchers of beer, I was able to make my case <laughs> and, and he agreed and, and the rest is, is history. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That I love that for so many the story for so many reasons. One, you were playing softball and yep. randomly <laughs> start connecting with a guy. That's how it happens. Who you it is, right? I mean, all business is about relationships and connections. So so you start this cannabis business though, and and while you're there, you meet uh, Kareem. Is that what you said his name? Yep. Was? Yep, yep, yep. So Kareem. And so now was that like an instant? you know, he recruited you over type of thing, or was that, that a building of a relationship over time? And yeah, it took some time. Obviously I was, I was engaged in the other business and, you know, at first I think, um, and I, I'm, I'm using words he said, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but, uh, I think what stuck out to him the most during our initial meetings with each other was, um, I didn't talk a whole lot, but when I asked my questions, he thought I had an MBA JD background because I, the questions I asked were 
more along the business side of things and the liability side of things and uh, maybe a little bit more sophisticated than he was expecting from two guys working out of their garage. Um, and I think that kind of tipped him off to maybe this was a, a different kind of mind. You know, again, I, I had had some corporate experience already at this point working at GE Capital, at Eli Lilly, um, at Cody Beauty. Um, so I had a number of sort of regular corporate jobs yeah. in that sort of was in between all the acting and bartending. Um, so I was able to put some of that education that, that I was able to be fortunate enough to get to use, which was great. Um, so I think, I think coming out of those initial meetings, he was like, oh, maybe there's something, a bigger conversation to be had. And I think once we started talking and I saw it right away, I mean, I saw the potential, obviously working at the other company sort of gave me my first foray into, you know, online, uh, website development, e-commerce, you know, membership sites, marketing sites. Um, Again, this was 2008, 2009, um, so a little different, little different back then. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, I think that was what sort of pushed him over the top. And then when he heard I had left, I think it was two weeks after I had left, um, he called me within like two weeks. It was like, hey, you want to do this? Yeah, let's do it. See wow. what happens. So wow. wow, that's awesome. That was 12 years ago. That was 12 years ago. Well, I know exactly. I started my business in 2009. So as you were saying that, I'm like, yeah, a lot has changed. Yeah, um, that's right. I mean, just technology, website, everything, everything has changed so much. Yeah. All good. Not all good. You know, it just depends on how you, how you look at it. But I love, I love, my background was in technology for a little while too. So I, I kind of love seeing how things have shifted and grown and changed. Yeah. And I think for me, I think that not being a technologist, but being, being more of a person who I really enjoy building winning teams mm. and understanding how to collect and aggregate and optimize a group of talent to accomplish a common goal was something that was very ingrained in me just through sports. And also I think ensemble, you know, acting, you really learn how to work as a team towards that. You could be all very different people, right. right. When you get there, but you do have a common goal. You tend to have a common value set. There is a culture of success that is consistent amongst winning organizations. And that's always fascinated me. And so that's really what drew me to entrepreneurship, probably more so than what we actually do. Yeah. delivering websites, delivering sneakers, whatever it is that you're doing. It's more about the people than the things. It's the who and the why more than like the what necessarily. Yeah. And I think that's really where I've, I think my, my leadership has sort of evolved over the years much more towards that. Let's talk about teams and building teams, because I think yeah. that, especially for people listening, small business owners, a lot, this is a hard thing for a lot of um, new businesses, but also businesses that are scaling. It's, you know, finding the right people, building the right people and, 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 you know, going from doing it all to, you know, there's no way you can scale by doing it all. So how Correct. do you, what advice would you give to a business owner on, in those areas? The best yeah. Um, listen more, talk less, keep learning and remember the smartest person in the room knows that they don't know everything. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, you know, surrounding yourself with great people, um, not, I, I hate to borrow cheesy lines from folks like Steve Jobs, but he did once say, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, I think, but we hire the smart people. I, I don't hire smart people to tell them what to do. I hire smart people so that they can tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a lot to that. You know, I think, I think as a leader, what you've got to understand is your skill set is in managing talent, mm -hmm. managing people. Uh, it's not necessarily always having the answer about one specific niche thing. And I think, what I find in a lot of uh, my other work outside of Crowd Favorite, as I work with professional services firms and agency owners, um, 
obviously control and delegation is it, those are big things that we we talk about in terms of being able to scale responsibly. It does take a village, right? If you really do want to grow. Um, on the other hand, a lot of a lot of small business owners, a lot of entrepreneurs, they're born out of the talent side of their business. Unlike me, who maybe comes from more of a business background or a non a non niche background, right? Whereas a lot of the business owners today, they were developers or they were designers or they are project managers or they are, and they were talented. And one day they had too much work for just them to do by themselves as a freelancer. And then they hired somebody. And now they went from being like, oh, I'm the person who delivers like code to, yeah. oh, now I'm the person who manages a person and needs insurance and need, and all the other things that take you out of, you know, the originate the original idea of why you got into doing what you do. And I think for a lot of owners, that's the other part about why it's so hard to let go because they've not only just been the principal in their business, but they've been the principal producer in yeah. so many of their relationships that, you know, and, and, and yes, you probably do have more institutional knowledge than maybe a new hire, but giving somebody the idea of, look, this is the result we're looking for. You do it the way you need to, to deliver the result. And if we don't get the result, let's take a look at the process. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably the most effective way that I, I tend to work with other owners and certainly for myself, that letting go and just saying, look, what do you really care about as an owner or as a leader or as a C-level, whatever you are of a company, you care about the result, right? right? Now, again, I didn't hire this person that they could do the job the way I do it. Hopefully I hired them because they can achieve a same result or a better result doing it their own way. But you know, that takes trust and that takes patience. Um, and it takes a certain acceptance of failure. And I think, especially when you're small and you're starting out, you know, failure is scary. You know, failure can be expensive and failure can create chaos and disruption and volatility. And, you know, we have all these other external factors that are creating that for us all the time. You know, sometimes we don't want to add to it. I, it's just easier if I just do it myself mm -hmm. or I know we'll get it done if I just do it myself. You will this time for sure. But if you're serious in a year from now and you want to stop building websites and you want to get out and talk about building websites, which is probably a better use of your time if you're the most senior person or the leader of your company and you want to scale, like that's how you do it. So I think that would be the biggest advice. I, it's a lot of advice, but that would be what I would tell people. How do you, what would you say for those that say, well, yeah, but I don't have, um, you know, the budget yet or to go out and hire some big, some big wig to handle this? Yeah, I think there are a lot of great people doing a lot. I mean, there, again, I think the entrepreneur, the entrepreneurial world is filled with a lot of um, consultants and I'm certainly no different. And, and one of them, I don't think you need, you know, if you're a, if you're a million dollar a year professional services company, you know, you're probably not going to hire a C-suite. You probably don't need one. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, what you probably need is strong project management and strong business development or strong project management and strong finance ops, people doing that for you so that you can really focus on the BD, right? Mm -hmm. Which is not just collecting clients, but also collecting talent because yeah. you're probably the best arbiter of like the culture and the skill set. What does that ideal employee look like as well as what does that ideal client look like? And as you scale, you start to teach other people what those two groups look like ideally. And that's sort of how it is it's able to self-perpetuate. That's great advice. So the show is called The Power of Authority. And it's all about, you know, the more authority you have as a business, as a brand, as, a, as an individual, the more impact you can make um, personally sure. and professionally. 
So what would you say, what are you seeing now, uh, especially in the industry that you're in, what's working to help brands to build their authority in the marketplace? And then part two of that question is, what are you doing personally for your own personal brand? That's a great question. Um, I'll start with the clients. Um, I think, you know, in the, in the, in the digital space, you know, in the, in web development, digital strategy space, I think what we're seeing in the last couple of years has been obviously a major pull forward in budgets and initiatives to get into digital transformation through the pandemic and other factors um, that certainly expedited all of that. Um, I think what we're seeing now is a transition from, okay, I, I've spent the money now to architect and build solutions. Am I getting the most right from those solutions that now I've sort of architected? So right now it's really about optimization. And I think the way that the way that a lot of brands are um, becoming more authoritative, right, within their space is through credibility and authenticity. Um, I think that the consumer is getting more and more savvy, certainly technically more savvy. I think they're becoming more savvy in terms of how they're marketed to and how they're spoken to. I think they care a lot more about values and alignment of those values with companies and brands that they purchase from than they used to. I think these are all good things and all things that I think a lot of, I think there are certain segments of the market that have already gotten there. You know, you can look at apparel, like companies like REI, right, who do amazingly uh, great social work and really put their money where their mouth is. But even the larger companies, you know, and Nike, for example, really digitally uh, adoptive, really ahead of their time in terms of their digital adoption. Um, and, but then you have other sectors right now, you know, manufacturing, um, retail, real estate, uh, uh, healthcare, financial services, some of the quote unquote 20th century industries um, that I think are trying to figure out, you know, if you're, if you're Bank of America or you're JP Morgan Chase, it's like, how do I cut through the noise and tell you this is the credit card you should buy from JP Morgan as opposed to the credit card for Bank of America or Wells Fargo or anybody else, right? And so authenticity, credibility, differentiation. I think a lot of that is being accomplished through personalization, right? A personalized experience for every one of their customers, their clients, or their users as they interface with these digital products um, that, that these companies are putting out there. So, you know, when you, I, I have someone who, who just took a job at a, at a food delivery company, a, a good friend of mine, um, you know, one of those, you get the box of dinners every week yeah. or whatever. And, you know, they're really like, their whole thing is like, you know, if I order a bottle of wine with that particular meal, and then I order that meal again, like that particular bottle of wine should already kind of pop up, right? They should already be there. It should remember me, right? At least that, that level of personalization. So when the customer comes back, they're like, oh yeah, like they do remember you, you go into certain, you know, when I was in retail or did like Abercrombie and Fitch, but like you went to like Nordstrom, you know, there's the special room with the champagne and they, that's what people are looking for online. Oh, they remember your first name. They remember what you bought last time. They remember what your style, what your style is, what your pattern is, what your behaviors are. And so that every time you come, it's a more and more optimal, more and more streamlined experience. So I think that is really where brands in particular um, are getting a lot of their authority these days um, in being able to convert users or traffic into actually buyers, right? Of whatever it is they're selling. Personally, I think a lot of, I think the theme is the same, but the methodology may be slightly different, right? So I honestly, authenticity, credibility, these are enormous things. I think uh, whether you're a personal brand or you're, or you're an actual entity brand, um, if you don't have those things, a lot of what we do, really we're consultants. We're all kind of consultants in the end. And so I tell my team, my sales team this all the time is you guys have a really hard job. 
you've got to sell something that's pretty expensive to people who don't really understand what it is they're buying, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that's that's a challenge, right? So not only are you do you have the typical challenge of selling something to somebody, but you have to educate them on the value of what you're selling. Then you have to sell them on something in a saturated market. There are a lot of people out there providing similar services to crowd favorite. So differentiation in how you market. Um, and again, to me, that's really about how you make people feel, not so much what you deliver to them. Um, is your culture defined? Are your values defined? Do you have alignment with your audience, whether that's a personal brand or a company, right? Um, and are you providing them with a personalized, incredible experience every single time? My experience is when you do that, the rest of it seems to take care of itself. That is such great advice. I love the word alignment. And it, you are 100% right. When I think about even as a, you know, if I'm looking for services or to buy something, I want to be, you know, it is how, how a company makes you feel or a brand makes you feel um, and the alignment of the two. Alignment is the safety net of the relationship. And I, I, what I mean by that is there is no customer or client relationship that's ever gone 100% right all the time. Right. You know, here in New York, you've got all these all over the place, but here in New York, you've got these wonderful restaurants, all these Michelin star, right? Whatever it is. I'm sure they don't get 100% satisfaction from every customer that walks in the door. But what do they do? They're just focused so hard on the experience and the alignment, right? So that when something does go wrong, when it may be their fault, maybe the customer is having a bad day, it could be a whole, it doesn't really matter what the reason is. When something goes off track, when something gets unaligned or misaligned, rather, right? If you're aligned going in, it's so much easier to get back on track, right? Mm -hmm. Those things are so small. When you're not aligned and things go off the rails, which they will, then those things become more disruptive to the relationship and more overhead has to be put into the client relationship and managing that. And it becomes something that's not organic. And I think people really want organic relationships with their partners. Mm. So true, so true. And also how you turn that around. Like you said, every there's going to be bad relationships and bad situations. And sometimes 100%. you don't provide the service the way that, that the client expected, but it is kind of how you handle it. I think of some of my best clients on the publishing side of our business, you know, we, we may have had some challenges, but it was, you know, how we responded to those and the dedication and that we're going to make this right no matter what. Um, I think for the most part, human beings understand that human beings make mistakes. What what they can't tolerate or won't tolerate is a lack of I call it hyper communication. But, you know, without communication, there's just a void. And when there's a void, the void gets filled with the very worst thoughts and the worst assumptions. So let's avoid that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's that's our. <laughs> oh, all right. One last question for you on just this is in terms of professional development, personal development. So we've talked a little bit about that, too. What is a book or a podcast or, or something that you've listened to or read recently that has really helped you in one of those two areas? Yeah, 100%. Um, I'm reading a couple different books right now, but the one that, uh, which I'm getting through very slowly because it's, it's dense, okay. is um, Ray Dalio's Principles. Um, you know, he, uh, he had a very unique and idiosyncratic culture that he built um, at... Uh, I think it's Northbridge is the name of, of, his, of the hedge fund up there in Bridgeport. Um, but it was very different than a lot of the Wall Street hedge funds. Um, really, the idea of speaking truth almost almost to a, I don't want to say a detriment, but, but really transparent truth-telling up and down, right? In that sense, a very, a very flat structure in terms of 
feedback and, and so on and so forth. Um, but there's a ton of great stuff in that book and, and, and I would highly recommend that. Um, podcasts, I'm on a pretty good one right now. I would suggest listening to this one. Um, no, but actually I'm, I'm in talks with uh, uh, another agency owner right now to start our uh, podcast around operating and owning uh, professional services firms. Again, not so much focusing on what you deliver to clients, but really the business side of operating and owning the, uh, a, a professional services firm. Um, and how to scale it responsibly. So yeah, yeah, I, I'm a big staircase methodology person in terms of growth. I, I know a lot of people are very much into the hockey stick approach. Um, and that's why, you know, that's why we started Wheelhouse too, is just, you know, we, we didn't want to see the leaning tower Pisa effect for entrepreneurs where like, oh, they go through this crazy organic growth in like a year or two because they're talented. They have no way to sustain it, no way to support it. And then it falls over on itself. And the entrepreneur is sitting there going five years later, like, what happened? We were doing so well. And then, you know, it all fell apart. So um, anything we can do to certainly help uh, folks, folks in that, in that area. Um, okay. Again, I don't like to see people fail because they succeed. I want people to succeed, succeed because they succeed. So, yeah. yeah. And you've learned a lot through the years that you can consult other people on to help them. You know, 100%. Make that. So if somebody 100%. wanted to get a hold of crowdfavorite.com is the name is the website. Yes. The but how anything that they could, how could they get a hold of you personally if they had questions or wanted? Yeah, sure. I mean, you can always, uh, always find me on LinkedIn. You can always find me. Uh, you can always feel free to email me at Jason at crowdfavorite.com. You can also email me at Jason at work with wheelhouse.com. Uh, wheelhouse Advisors uh, works with a bunch of uh, entrepreneurs and small business owners in helping them to uh, scale their companies and help them help their management teams grow as well. So. Um, yeah, I'm everywhere that I guess you need to be. I'm not on TikTok yet. We're getting there. I'm having that debate right now with our marketing director. So we're, we'll get there. Little by little, step by step. Little by little. I don't know if I'm too old. I feel like maybe I'm too old, but they say no. So we'll yeah. see. No, yeah. Jason, thank you so much for being on the show. Really, really I appreciate it so much. Michelle's was great. And thank you for the time today. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's it for awesome. today, everyone. We'll see you next time on the Power of Authority Spotlight. Have a great one. for listening to the Power of Authority Spotlight. If you are a successful founder, entrepreneur, business owner, or leader that's getting results and making a difference, and you'd like to be on this program, please visit performancepublishinggroup.com forward slash podcast to apply. That's performancepublishinggroup.com forward slash podcast. Also, if you got something out of this interview, please share this episode. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag, the power of authority spotlight. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content, so make sure you don't miss any episodes by subscribing. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our websites, performancepublishinggroup.com or michelleprince.com. And follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.